Are you good with people? Maybe you're organized or have a knack for numbers. Well, then chances are you've got skills that could lead to a new career. A Google Career Certificate can help you get a foot in the door with top employers in fast-growing fields like IT support, project management, data analytics, and user experience design. It's professional-level training developed and taught by Google employees. And it's all online so you can learn around your schedule. Put your skills to work. Go to grow.google slash certificates. Heard the call to build your small business? Make it happen with a .NET domain name, the place for dreamers for 30 years and counting. Visit keepdreamingup.net for tips and advice. Whether you're just getting started or looking to grow, that's keepdreamingup.net. Westwood One presents The Pollsters. The Pollsters. And now, Margie and Kristen. Hi, and welcome to The Pollsters. I'm Margie O'Mara, Democratic pollster with PSB Research. And I'm Kristen Soltis-Anderson, Republican pollster with Echelon Insights. And each week we bring you the polls driving the latest news in politics, tech, and pop culture. So this week we don't have a song because we're going to talk about our origin story. We have – it's this is such a fun – well, first of all, what I think is particularly fun is I've got a party dress hanging in Margie's office. Yeah. We are going to a party after this. We just came from a meeting where we were doing a joint presentation, a bipartisan joint presentation. Now we're recording the show. And then next we have like a cocktail party. I was telling Jesse, it's like in college when I'd go over to my friend's apartment before like going out for the night. Except go instead of my friend's apartment, it's – Margie's office That's in right. like the bathroom of PSP. <laughs> we do have a nice big bottle of mouthwash and like very big well lit mirrors. That it's pretty sound like a, so it doesn't sound like a fun pregame. Quite the That's same. the best I got. That's you know we have. Uh, we, I got you water. I brought you. some. You did. Thank you for that. I brought you it was some mint flavored Hershey's Kisses. Anyway, so <laughs> two years ago at the State of the Union, it wasn't a joint address that year. It was the State of the Union. We uh, were doing NPR live coverage. And Chris and I were there together and I was like four months pregnant. So I had like a lot of urgency behind this idea of, you know, making sure that like if we were going to do a podcast, it launched like immediately, like in my head, I had a lot of pressure and I didn't tell you this part, but, um, there was, you know, I needed to make sure that there were snacks, right? There was there would be dinner that was very clear when I when they booked me. I'm like, oh. I'm gonna be there because I was pregnant. <laughs> and then they're like, here's the dinner. It was like leftover. I'm like, I gotta get the last thing ASAP before somebody else comes. And then I took the last sandwich. And then Mara Eliasson comes in and she's like, I cannot believe that. Like all the food is gone at like eight o'clock. Like oh, before no. the thing and even start, I was like, oh god, that's terrible. That I took the last sandwich before. You were cr- you're creating a person. The real, you should be the real talent showed up anyway so that was um <laughs> i still feel bad about that i'm sorry marla you should not feel bad about i know that. but you know i bet you if marla Eisen heard this right now she would not she is not begrudge you <laughs> having taken that sandwich no, i'm true. almost positive <laughs> that's true so and and so i had so after that chris and i met for coffee and i'm like i have an idea and she's like okay what's your idea i'm like well there isn't a podcast about polling and there isn't a podcast with two women dnr Together. And that was basically, I didn't really need to finish, to, you know, you need to come to the period at the end of the sentence. It was clear that that was, I should say, a, a pretty decent idea. I, I think it was. <laughs> well, and I was not at all familiar with the podcasting medium. I, my college roommate, one of my good friends from college, she had been working at a public affairs firm in 2006. And I swear there was a copy of like, I don't, I'm saying podcasting for dummies, but it was like some kind of book, like a, right. like how to podcast right. book around our apartment. Because I was like, well, podcasting has been around forever, but 
I don't know, but like cereal was just kind of getting yeah. to become a thing. And yeah. so you hit the trend at the right time. There are there is now a, a DNR woman hosted show, Pantsuit Politics. And, and we've been guests on that show. I have not been a guest on that oh, show, but you've been well, a guest on that we show. We hooked that up. Um and then, you know, obviously 538 does, but they don't just talk about polling. I don't know if there are many I think there may be Pew and Calumet now one of them does a show. I think there are some other shows that just talk about polling, but there's still no show right in the there's still no dnr woman hosted polling show that is so we've nailed we've crushed that we've crushed that market <laughs> that is us we own it completely anyway so thanks everybody who's been with us for two years or in spirit in two years we didn't start two years ago but we had the idea well yeah we'll, we'll get to do this whole we'll we, do can it tell, again. we can tell the story of our first episode like yeah. we should take some excerpt from our i think our first episode's like 14 minutes can you still get it on itunes you oh yeah yeah can. you totally can yeah, and I don't even think we were called the pollsters yet, but when we, we get even... to that, like, happy two-year anniversary, yeah. we can go through the whole story. Yeah, I think it was, like, in April, May. Remember, I was, like, in a rush. I'm like, let's just – doesn't matter. It's good enough. Put it out. <laughs> get this thing. Ship on. it. Let's get, just ship it. Get it go. out. <laughs> so now we're a little bit more finely tuned, as evidenced by this rambling 10 minutes. So anyway. Well, and <laughs> this week's top lines. <laughs> so the president gave a joint uh, – an address to a joint session of Congress. We'll take a look at how people reacted to that speech. Each and how the president is doing overall, plus how Americans are feeling and what is fueling their anxiety. Then Margie's got an interesting study out on things like slow cookers, shopping for hardware tools, yep. toys with educational value. We'll talk about the state of the American family and some of their purchasing habits. The kids these days are all right. Uh, there's some fresh polling out about what teenagers think about politics. We will dive into what the folks that will come after the millennials are thinking about what's going on in America. And then we'll talk about aliens, what Americans think about the likelihood of us contacting life on other planets, and what Prime Minister Theresa May and I have in common this Lenten season. <laughs> but first, this episode is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Are you hiring? Do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? Posting your job in one place isn't enough to find quality candidates. If you want to find the perfect hire, you need to post your job on all the top job sites, and now you can. With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 200-plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. Find candidates in any city or industry nationwide. Just post once and watch your qualified candidates roll into ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. No juggling emails or calls to your office. Quickly screen candidates, rate them, and hire them the right person fast. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by Fortune 100 companies and thousands of small and medium-sized businesses. And right now, our listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash free trial. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash free trial. One more time to try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash free trial. And I'm going to have to use it sometime soon because Mike, my very first hire at Echelon, the Aww. first person I ever hired. Oh, that's my like first time being Google a, job, three or a job creator. Uh, <laughs> we're so proud of him because he's going to business school. And this but is the guy who came up with the like angry. Oh, yeah. This was, we talked all last week about that's his good. anger study. Uh, but he's going off to business school. Well, I'm so proud of him. I, you know, that's a good. <clears throat> but I need to hire him. a data director. Mm. So maybe I'll post it on ZipRecruiter. That's right. And see see who we get. That's good. Okay. Well, you'll have to keep us posted. I will. So the poll of the week 
is actually about what happened last week, which is the Oscars. Did you watch that? I did not. I mean, I, we decided. I was it like, you was know, so nuts. I mean, I saw. I mean, I saw the stuff coming in. I'm like, holy moly, that is crazy. But I instead watched a. A nominated movie. So I watched four of the nine movies. Oh, which ones have you seen? I watched Moonlight, um, Manchester by the Sea, which I did not really like, Hell or High Water, and Arrival. So those are all the ones that I could stream, I could watch at home. Um, and Moonlight was, ex- I mean, I was, I'm so glad it won. It was excellent. I'm very excited to watch it. And I, something that really surprised me is when you hear the description of what Moonlight is about, there were a lot of right of center dudes that I follow on Twitter who were kind of into pop culture, who I would expect to be kind of like snarky or whatever. And they were all like, no, 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 it's a fantastic film. It and I'm like, really man, good. if they're into Moonlight, like, okay, it must be insanely good. It was, I mean, it was just great to have, I mean, it was really well done. It told a really lovely story and it was really noticeable how different of a tale it was than any other movie you've seen before. They didn't have any kind of like wacky tricks, but it was just characters that, you know, you had just never seen. Arrival, which was, you know, lovely. It's got the similar kind of feel to other kind of, you know, spacey sci-fi movies, you know, for example. Um, you know, same with Hell or High Water, which had kind of a similar feel. Manchester by the Sea, I don't know, it just felt like they were just kind of messing with me as a, <laughs> I'm like, why are you messing with me? I don't know. It just didn't, it was just, I don't know. It just didn't really do it. So you me. haven't seen La La Land? I haven't seen, I know I'm going to like La La it's Land. Cute. It's cute. You just can't get it on Netflix or it's, iTunes. Or I, I, I'm a big fan and especially what's funny, and I can say this, I think without, there were some people that called me out for having spoiled there was some movie that I inadvertently spoiled. Lion. Lion. Sorry about that, guys. If you haven't seen Lion yet, don't listen to our last episode. I think no, I, someone spoiled I, or it. I either, on... I either spoiled it or I got something wrong about yeah, it. No, I, I think... screwed something up about Lion. Um, but what's funny is that like La La Land, it's this like happy movie. And then at the end, you're like, oh, wait a minute. This is how it's ending? And it's not like a bat. I mean, it's mm. a great ending. But it's like all of a sudden, it's like a much more serious ending. Um. And so people were joking that the Oscars, it's you go in and you think you know what you're getting and everybody's la, 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 la. And then all of a sudden the end, whoa, what just happened? Uh, um, well, you think you're getting one thing and yes, they switch it. Well, we know all about that, America. And um, what was cool over the weekend before the Oscars is New York Times Upshot, which always is cool. Data viz. Remember when we spoke to Nate Cohn, he's talked about how – much of an effort they put into that. So this is a very cool set of maps looking at what kind, where people live who liked these movies on Facebook. So this isn't just ticket sales. This is likes on Facebook. And uh, Moonlight in particular, you know, it didn't have like, a, to the extent it had a base, it was the base where it was actually shot in Atlanta and Miami and Florida. Um, while La La Land had a bit of a base in California. I mean, some of these play, I mean, it is quite funny. Manchester by the Sea had a base in New England. I mean, I guess. You Hell know. or High Water had a base like down in like Texas. Yeah. And, yeah. It's, it's exactly where you think it would be. So Arrival takes place in Montana, I think. Right. I think it was Washington State. Or maybe she lives in Washington she, State, but and then, then she the thing lands in, in Montana. Yeah, the thing lands in Montana. Um. And then, like, for Fences and Hidden Figures, it's in the South, but it's also in, like, if you look at maps of where, like, um, African Americans t- tend to be uh, higher population levels, that's exactly where you yep. see Fences and Hidden Figures um, are much higher. So it's 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 pretty cool. Anyway, so check it out and see where the intersection of your favorite 
movies are. Anyway, fun stuff over. Back to the... I think some of this is kind of fun. <laughs> Back to the Fun grind. and funny. So we're, I, I bring, we bring to you next a tweet from at PressSec. Yes. Sean Spicer. In at CNN poll, 78% of at POTUS hashtag joint address watchers say positive. 69% say policies will move country in right direction. 69% more optimistic. Well, that settles it. Is that a poll that's not skewed <laughs> from the failing Clinton News Network? Right. CNN? What? Right. No. Is this the White House trusting a poll from CNN? I mean, there's Gasp. nothing that says, <laughs> you know, totally representative, like an overnight poll of people who watch a joint address. You know, I mean, it's not that it's wrong. It's just self-selected of folks who watch the joint address. And which we've is, talked about this when we talked about Obama's state or the of the debates, too. Or the mm-hmm. debates, you know, it's just people who are watching it. And so while that matters, it's that instant reaction and reaction over the next few days matter. Although I suspect... You know, I suspect Trump's going to get a good review from, a, you know, a bounce of some sort from the next few days based on the coverage as much as from the folks who watched it. But folks who watch it are likely to be supportive. Just, a, I mean, I, you know, a lot of Democrats were not excited about. Is not how you wanted to spend your Tuesday night? No, not excited about watching it. And I think his ratings were lower than Obama's first joint address, too. I don't know how that would break out by party, but his ratings were lower. I know he likes ratings. And measuring applause length and the rest of it, um, his ratings were a little bit lower. But nonetheless, he, you know, it could help. He could use the help. He's been net disapproved now for a while. We've talked about this last week. This is still happening. It's still a thing. It's gonna, It doesn't seem to be getting any better. It was at 50, 44. The numbers were kind of flat all during February. So it's not that people were moving. It's just that they weren't in a great place and they never got to a great place. But NBC Wall Street Journal also did a poll where they asked for positive – do you have a positive or negative view of – and they did a whole bunch of different people. So Donald Trump, Paul Ryan, Chuck Schumer, Mitch McConnell, Nancy Pelosi, Republican Party, Democratic Party. And compared to other people, Trump ain't too bad. So Donald Trump is viewed positively by 43 percent, negatively by 47 percent. So a net negative minus four. Mm-hmm. Paul Ryan, positive 34, negative 35, net one negative. You know, not too bad. Right. Um, Republican Party, not great. 35 percent positive, 43 percent negative. Democratic Party, 30 percent positive, 46 percent negative. Yeah, we've lost that advantage. Which, yeah, Republicans have for a de- over a decade have trailed on that question. So yeah. this is kind of a surprising The Vampire, the Huffington Post just wrote something about it. It's uh, the, it, We used to enjoy being less unpopular than Republicans. We could, you know, give ourselves some high fives over that. That's not true right now. Everybody loves a winner. So Chuck yeah. Schumer, net negative. Only 17% of people think he have a positive view, 26% negative. But he's not very well known. In no, the those are both so low numbers. Those are just partisans. Yeah. You know, for the most part. Um, Mitch McConnell... 14% positive, 34% negative. He's not my here friend, to make friends. My friend Shoshana <laughs> is the 14%. <laughs> I follow all that 14% on Twitter. I'm not here to make friends, man. Um, yeah, I mean, even Nancy I mean, Nancy Pelosi's numbers are ne- negative. Republicans have been running ads with Nancy Pelosi as the time. villain for decades. Like but she's decade. still not – I mean, just to remember, keep in mind, folks listening to this show, know who all these people are because, you know, if you bumped into the dry cleaner, you'd be like – you'd say, yep, that's 
Chuck Schumer, that's Mitch McConnell, whatever. But they are not universally known. Even Paul Ryan, even Nancy Pelosi, folks who've been in the press for, you know, a while on a regular basis are not universally known. There are lots of people like, don't know who you're talking about. Sorry, I don't really have an opinion. So just something to keep in mind. Um, Chuck Schumer, particularly less well-known. That'll change, but still it's going to, you know, it, it, it's, it, he's a while to go before he would be known, have mm-hmm. pervasive numbers. But still, the point being, none of these folks are particularly popular. I want to know who the 10% are who do not have an opinion one way or the other on Donald Trump. That surprises me. Yeah. Because he does have a 100% name ID. So it's it can't be that these folks don't know who Donald Trump is. I've never seen a poll where his name ID wasn't basically 100%. Yeah. I don't know. They give up. They give up, I guess. So there's been some other points. So the NBC Wall Street Journal poll was not great news for Trump. They're, you know, the, the approval ratings weren't so great. But they also had um, some some other, you know, questions in here about views toward Trump and his at transition so far, a majority say the challenges he's faced are unique to his administration and suggest real problems. Uh, 52% said that, only 43% say they're typical growing pains. Um, on the other hand, I mean, this is maybe, uh, you know, a, a good sign for him. About half, just half, say the media has been too critical of Trump. And about half agree with the statement that the news media and other elites are exaggerating the problems with the Trump administration because they're uncomfortable and threatened by the kind of change that he brings. I mean, that question wording, it does put quite a fine point on it. I mean, it really does describe, use the words that you might hear from the Trump team mm-hmm. there. I don't have any real quibble with it. Yeah, I, I don't either. The The analogy that I've been using is like when you have an organ transplant and the body is like rejects it. It's like, nope, I do not like this heart that you just put into me and I'm going to reject it. Like, is that kind of what's happening in here? That Donald Trump, that all of this chaos you see is that the new organ transplant is being like rejected by the body of Washington. And like, are people willing to give Trump a lot of extra runway because they think, well, this is just people that are, they're afraid of him. They hate him because they're, they, they're threatened that he's going to upend their way of doing things. Yeah. So yeah, I think this is a really interesting question. Right. I mean, there are other ways they could have gone with this question where you wouldn't be totally sure, like, are they too, you know, are they critical? If you didn't have that two in there or if you didn't say they're exaggerating because they're threatened, that exaggerating thing, it makes it clear that the question is saying, are they going too far? Not simply, you know, is are, are the media criticizing Trump? Are they spending a lot of time talking about Trump's flaws? Well, then you could say you could say yes, and they should. Right. Mm-hmm. The way these questions are phrased, it's clear that it's asking you, how, are they going overboard for whatever reason? Um, but then McClatchy found on the flip side that Trump has problems in terms of being trusted to provide factual information where over half say they don't trust him. They don't trust him at all or they don't trust him very much. Um, obviously, you're going to have Democrats overwhelmingly say that uh, Republicans, only 11 percent of Republicans say they don't trust him to provide accurate information, which I don't know. I mean, if that's low or not, I mean, I don't I don't know if I've seen this question on anyone else before. We haven't asked it, which is a sign, I don't think. Um and more say they trust their favorite news source over Donald Trump. But that seems like. Yeah. A duh. Kind of like because it's your favorite news source. It could be any, you know, your favorite. It's your favorite. Like it's the pollsters. 
Yeah. <laughs> if it comes down to the pollsters versus Donald Trump, I hope we know who you all will side with. Um, but just I, I want to go back real quickly to the, yeah. the NBC Wall Street Journal poll because something that we've talked about on this show before, and I think it was when we did our interview with Chuck Todd, it came up. Method, it, it, this isn't, I guess, methodological, but something that makes NBC Wall Street Journal a unique poll is that they have two partisan pollsters involved in the process. Um, so, you know, ABC, where where I'm a commentator, Gary Langer, who runs ABC's polling, he is a nonpartisan dude. He is a, a smart. He's been doing this forever. CBS, Anthony Salvanto, friend of the show, he runs CBS's polling unit. He is a nonpartisan guy, just really smart. They're great at what they do. So that's a, that is an excellent model. But NBC, by bringing in Peter Hart and Bill McInturf, who I think are the two, mm-hmm. is that that's the two halves? Yeah. You get the 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 counterweight where you you can you know they're I'm sure they're hopping on conference calls and right. talking about having been out there in the field and done all this campaign stuff. What it, what would the campaigns or what would the right. political parties be wanting to study? So I find that there's some all just really interesting questions that they cook up. So I, I that's part of why I really like this uncomfortable and threatened question that we just talked about, like. It's a neat feature that they have in their poll. Because if you, you know, this is where the partisan piece comes in, where you might, you might miss some nuance in how the question is asked for questions that haven't been kind of brought into the party fold for a while. You might miss some little bit of shading in terms of exactly what words the other side would say. And that's why it's helpful to say, well, you know, is this how your side would phrase this? And and the other person can say, yes, or... No. <laughs> this was always no, part Debbie, of my of defense not. for why uh, – during the primaries, why I think it's really valuable to have reporters from uh, – and columnists or whomever from ideological news sources doing some of the asking because there are going to be things – like I remember there was one debate where it was – forget which network, but none of the questions I thought really got at the, like, what are the debates inside the family for the GOP? Like, what are the right. things that are actually going to separate Marco Rubio from Ted Cruz from Chris Christie? And you, if you get someone who's inside the family, but this is why I'm kind of excited about a lot of these right of – not necessarily like the full-on Breitbart and stuff, but some of these right of center journalists are going to ask Trump and Sean Spicer really tough questions in these briefings because they get the stuff – that conservative activists are going to freak out about. Right. right. And that's really valuable to have those partisan perspectives involved if you want to get the most deep insight. Yep. Yep. All good points. So anyway, kudos to the folks. We like that question. We'll see if they track it. Um, So anyway, so we don't, you know, so we'll see how Trump views toward Trump change and have used toward Trump and the media change after the joint address because a lot of folks on the left were freaking out about the coverage of the joint address. There were a lot of folks saying, well, you know, so Trump didn't like kick a puppy. And so we're all saying that he was presidential. Like I saw somebody tweeting, like, I woke up, I made eggs and I didn't burn the building down. You know, news media says I'm presidential. How does he do it? You know, that, that kind of <laughs> that kind of that kind of thing. So that's that was the vibe on the left in, in my in my peeps. Um and you could see some of this kind of worry like, hey, let's not take our eye off the ball. Everyone's still worried. Um in some polling from 
uh, I guess this is having a post that shows how scared Democrats are about the world today and how that's gone up dramatically where, you know, overwhelming, like about, you know, over 70 percent say uh, they are very or somewhat scared about the way things are going in the world today. A huge increase from as an increase in intensity from just September of 2006 that the election just, you know, made that pop. So that's what a lot of Democrats are looking at. It's like, okay, the speech whatever, um, that doesn't really change how we're viewing kind of all the threats that, uh, that are in store for us as, as folks look at, look at what Trump is actually doing on the left. So the other thing that uh, just to sort of as we begin moving away from the Trump conversation, I think two two other things that are, are valuable to talk about. One is so you mentioned what's the vibe on the left, the vibe on the right among the hashtag never Trump folks with whom I am pal around uh, uh, with whom I sometimes <laughs> pal around. Uh, we're pretty positive about it. Yeah. Um, and, and not even just in a OK, we get that the bar is low, but they were kind of surprised like, oh, Okay, he talked about a lot of things that we kind of like, but is himself not a fiscal conservative. Like nothing right. about the speech was particularly fiscally conservative. Right? Right. How are we going to pay for this? Whatever. Um, and one of the moments, speaking of the inside the family battles, is the battle over trade. And if you watched Paul Ryan, one of the moments when he did not applaud was when Trump talked about trade and backing out of TPP and stuff. So some fascinating polling from Gallup. They have been tracking attitudes toward NAFTA by political party, going back to the 90s, um, and have found that for Republicans, Republicans used to be kind of okay with NAFTA. I mean, positivity toward NAFTA was not very partisan. And the percentage saying that they thought it was good for the U.S. was between mid-30s, low-40s, no matter what party you were. Fast forward to today when they re-asked that question. And again, they re-asked it in 2004. No partisan divide whatsoever on views toward NAFTA. You ask it today, you have 67% of Democrats who like NAFTA. You have 22% of Republicans who like NAFTA. That is crazy. Yeah. All of a sudden that not only is there a partisan gap, but that it's Republicans who are like, boo, free trade. Right. What is happening? No, it's, I mean, there is a lot of squishiness to some of these ideological fights, especially something like NAFTA that, you know, while people may have an opinion, I don't know necessarily how many voters get up and sort of, you know, shake their fist at NAFTA every day. I mean, some do, but this was magnified in this election, just like views toward Putin and Russia, which we've talked about in other weeks, how that's changed and become, and the the partisan views there have scrambled. Um, NBC Wall Street Journal also asked about trade. They also track it. There is views toward free trade broadly, not NAFTA specifically, and they found the exact same pattern. Mm -hmm. So this is a real thing. This is not an anomaly. This is happening. Two different polls asking it slightly differently found the same thing, where it used to not really be a very partisan thing. They've asked about an intent and in 14 and in 15 you started to see democrats like trade a little bit more than republicans and now there's just a massive difference where uh democrats are a lot more likely to have a positive view toward free trade while republicans are more negative so this is a real thing that i don't know i guess paul ryan you know i don't know i, I want to battle for the heart and soul of the republican party is yeah, being I'm, waged and is Potentially, yeah. I mean, it's for it's the de- moment. It's definitely, it's definitely. <laughs> it has been won by Donald Trump. Yeah, no, it's definitely interesting. Uh, but then there was also this face the nation focus group. Oh yeah, that so I this think was really funny. I read that cl- quote at the end. You got to read this quote. Okay, so 
uh, you know, focus groups are great. They add some color because these polls, I mean, look, we try to make it interesting, but a lot of the questions are repeat themselves and you're looking at tracking and it's hard to really get dig beneath the surface. Just like when we've talked about Walmart moms, which we're actually talking about Walmart moms again in a minute, you can provide a little bit more thinking behind, see how, how voters come to the decisions uh, that they make. And so John Dickerson moderated some focus groups for Face the Nation in Richmond, Virginia, um, they were like e- evenly divided between Trump and Clinton voters. And this one woman said, I just love this. Um, you know, that Trump reminds her, uh, probably some of the women here remember this type from middle school on. I'm reading the quote here. Girls who did nothing but think about their wedding. They didn't even have a groom in mind, but they were planning that. And all of the energy went into the wedding, the pomp, the ceremony, and actually being married and making it work was so far to the back that they just kept coming back to wanting to redo the wedding, wanted to entertain lavishly and that type of thing. They still weren't thinking about being married. And he's not thinking about being president. I just... I find that quote fascinating. I mean, it is. This is why I love focus groups. And that is great. I mean, how you can't ask a question. You can't ask a survey question about any of that. That's like, that's not. Is Donald Trump the presidential <laughs> equivalent of the girl who's a little too into the Pinterest wedding board? But wait, without any, you know, <laughs> any partner around. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, that just shows. I mean. I love me a good focus it's group. It's so good because it really shows. Well, one, it's her frame of reference, right? And she puts it in a very clear – she tells a clear story that, you know, is such a good parallel that I hadn't even even occurred to me. Although I know exactly what type of woman's story she's talking about. I think a lot of women have, you know, met someone like that. Um, So I just thought it was great. So anyway, check it out if you want to watch the whole thing. I think the entire – Focus group is online. If folks want to watch it, I didn't make it through the whole thing. But I made it to this quote. I was like, okay, that's good. Um, and then we did some more Walmart mom groups. Yay, they're back for part of a report that Walmart put out with Quid, which is the online uh, data analytics shop. Um, and they found five different trends of the American family, which are all pretty cool. And this is customer stuff. This is not political. This is These were consumer trends like too busy to get sick. If you're, you know, getting sick just kind of sets the whole family back. And what do you do to prevent getting sick? Or the family dinner, finding ways to make the family dinner faster and easier, like a growth in slow cookers, which, you know, is a fun thing. Um, you know, digital parenting or, or trying to get more STEM toys for your kids and how that's gone up. So all this stuff is pretty cool. And then we did some focus groups, um, to kind of add some color to it. And it was fascinating. The first thing was the digital parent. It's very, and I found this in focus groups before. I don't know if you've heard this too when you talk about millennials. When you are talking to folks, especially parents, they just can't, they just desperately want to talk about the phones and how it's just, you know, it's tough for their kids and they're, they don't know what to do. How do they limit phone use, screen mm-hmm. time? You just, I mean, the groups went there immediately. I had to pull them away. I'm like, we're going to get to the phone conversation. Like they are desperate to talk about how different it is. They don't have a roadmap. They're not used to sitting at dinner with their parents, checking their phone the whole time. It's like a completely different world. So that was something we heard um, a lot of folks talk about. And, um, uh, the too busy to get sick was a fun one. Cause a lot of moms said, well, we just, you know, everything is, the, I get sick. Nobody takes care of me. I take care of everybody else. And then when I get better, everything is just exactly the way I left it. And then I have to catch up. So like a lot of talk about how do you sequester or quarantine people in your family? So, you know, nobody gets each other sick. I'm like, do you buy a lot of ginger or turmeric? Do you make special soup? So there was that conversation. And then in the home improvement and home renovations, we talked a little bit about, um, uh, 
like decluttering, which we've talked about on this show. And so decluttering got people really animated. They're like, I'm, I'm, you know, the happy mom. Ah, so good. Once I get rid of everything, then I'm the good, you know, I, I'm the mean mom if everything's a mess. And then, and then other people were just giving each other, all the moms were giving each other advice about how to declutter in the group. It was really cool. Did anybody bring up the KonMari? They did not hyper super purge. They did not, but they did bring up the minimum. Someone brought up the minimalist movement. I don't know if you've seen. There's these two guys. There's a documentary about them, which is pretty wacky. It's these two guys, and they have a podcast too. um, And they're just like middle. And they went on their book tour, and they're like, "What is a minimalist pack on their book tour?" And this is when I had to stop watching. When my husband was watching it, and he's like, "I bring five pairs of underwear, and then the red one helps me figure out when I need to watch something like that." Made no sense. I'm like, "Okay, you're not my." Style icon. Like, I'm like, you've lost this me. This is not going to work. It's not gonna work <laughs> he out. was so proud of his like uh, system that looked ridiculous. So I am pumped because next 48 hours, I'm going to do a second purge through the house because there is the Junior League here in Washington. We do like a, a like a rummage sale, and this is Saturday is the drop off day, and I'm uh. like, oh, now that I've moved into this new house, and I've got like. I am my. I'm going to bring a carload, ladies. Get excited, guys! That's a hot tip for everybody. <laughs> rummage sale, if you want junior league rummage sale. Kristen's cart your crap out to yep. Crystal City. That's right. That's selling good. it for charity. Um, so anyway, so that was pretty fun. So you can read the cool. full report. <laughs> it's pretty cool if you're interested in such things. So anyway, that's fun. They looked at like blog posts about all this stuff. It was you know it was a cool. It was a fun thing. Sorry to drone on about it, but Walmart moms are back, back, and back again. Well, the so we have so now we're gonna just do some fun polling. Yeah, we need we need more fun polling. We can't just do like whole shows about Donald Trump. That's not no because and we say this I think a lot, but that is not most of what is going on in America. Uh, no, but there is one group that we have not talked about on the show that much that is beginning to kind of get a little bit interested in politics, and that is teenagers, the folks that are coming up behind the millennials that we do not yet have a name for. MTV calls them the founders, and I reject that name. Right. We've got to come up with something better. I think I've heard plurals. I've heard of the plurals. I don't like that either. Have you That's heard them? That's better. Mm. I just, from you right now, <laughs> that was when I heard Surprise, the plurals. Yes. Plurals. It's not Z. Z's after millennials, but this is like teenagers. Well, no, teenagers are after millennials. But no, isn't there like a Z? Between, isn't there something between well, I millennials? Think, I think Generation Z is another potential I think that's contending with the mm. founders and the plurals for okay. these people. Right. I think. At any rate, um, they right now are not feeling so great about the current political uh, situation. Um, most are pessimistic about our system of government and how well it works. Most are pessimistic about the way our leaders are chosen, which kind of freaks me out a little. Because this is not the first piece of polling data to suggest that the youngins are not so bullish on this whole democracy thing. Right. But that could also mean that they don't like the Electoral College. I mean, I don't want to read too much into it. But uh, as I've been saying forever, <laughs> young people don't really like the GOP that much. Right. Um, in this poll – Read the selfie po- book, people. Read the selfie book. I mean, the vast majority of these respondents either said that they were independents or that they had not picked a party yet. But on the partisan gap – uh, Democrats beat Republicans, which I went back. My column in the Examiner this week is all about. Oh, and by the way, they do not like Donald Trump. Sixty-one percent negative view of Donald Trump. Jeez. Which I went back and I looked. Gallup had done some polling about George W. Bush among teenagers in the mid two thousands, 
which is a little younger than me. It's more like my sister's ages. I, I was a teenager before the mid-2000s. But 66% of teenagers in the mid-2000s actually liked George W. Bush. Right. And this was already into the Iraq War and stuff. Yeah. Um, so the idea of being that far underwater with teenagers is not a great place to be. And this could be yet another generation that the GOP will struggle with forever. Yeah. So, I mean, the other thing too. Yay, everybody. Yeah. Well, yay, guys. Yeah, but right now, <laughs> who who were, who cares about teenagers right now? Like, you guys have everything. This is like that last gap. See, I'm such a, I'm such a downer about this stuff. Like, this is like that last euphoric gasp of like, Wee! Right, <laughs> right before you splat and hit the. Anyways, sorry. Well, okay. Teenagers <laughs> out of my dark place. You know, teenagers, <laughs> and this is consistent with what you people think about younger folks. They have really positive views toward diversity, which I think mm-hmm. is good. It's probably a source of a lot of the challenges that the, the Republican Party has. Um, where pretty consistently, by very large numbers, teenagers feel that America is strengthened by diversity. Single digits say it's weakened. Though, and I know we don't have these charts in the show notes or right now, but I remember seeing them as I was reading through the report that when they divide up how young people feel about some of these policy issues by what party they've chosen, so the like one in five or one in four young people who consider themselves Republican, hold views like a majority support banning foreign Muslims from entering the U.S. Yeah. Like a majority support building a wall. The one issue where there was not really a partisan divide was climate. Mm. Even the young Republicans were like, yeah, we should do something about Kids climate. Kids love climate. Kids love climate. Uh, what so else do the kids love? Aliens? So another I group, guess the kids- <laughs> speaking of teenagers, that was the worst we also have some polling show. on aliens. <laughs> <laughs> this poll was awesome. I saw this on Twitter today and we had to talk about it. Which of the – this is from our friends at YouGov. Which of the following reasons do you think best explains why humanity has not discovered or been discovered by an alien species? This is very timely, by the way, because NASA has just announced that they have discovered seven planets that are roughly of Earth's size orbiting a sun – Three of which could have Earth-like temperatures right. or something or could have water. Kind right. of cool. And President Trump in his speech last night did have a line about American boots on foreign land. Distant lands. Distant lands. Not foreign lands. Uh, so maybe was, was that like a, like a neocon yes. sort of Freudian slip know, there? Right. No. Um, so maybe he was talking about – what are they called? I forget what the names of these seven are. The Trappist. Yes, the Trappist. Because I think the there's Trappist like seven. some Belgian scientists involved in like Trappist monks. Right. Belgian beer. Anyways. No, I immediately good. thought of Belgian beer. No, it's good. It's easy. It's, you know, <laughs> it may be not easy to remember per se, it's, but it's not hard to say. So, so that's the reasons why – so 24% of people say they're not sure. But then 24%, which is the plurality, the top answer among those who responded, said they think we haven't found them because alien life is too far away in space or time. Which my husband then t- tweeted at us to like try to explain why that is the sensible answer. Because if you think about it, how long has humanity been around? In the scheme of cosmic time, we are but a blip. Yeah. Right? Um. So there were bajil- – They could be on their way. Bajillions of years right. before us, potentially bajillions of years after us. Right. Who knows? So it could be that other life exists. They just don't exist at the same time as us. When I also – so it, I mean this, these answers are alternate so... timelines like the one where Jeb Bush is president. That's right. That's right. <laughs> the one exactly. that I can't get to. 
I know. No matter how hard I try. Help us. I know. (laughs) Um, What is also interesting about this is that more people say, as a reason, human technology is not advanced enough to communicate with aliens than say alien technology is not advanced enough to communicate with humanity. It's not. It's not you, it's me. Yeah. That's that that's the that version of Yeah, that. I know. I mean, <laughs> I'm surprised that people would say it's us as opposed to it's aliens. And then twelve percent say we've already made contact with aliens, but the government is covering it up. The I mean, truth is out there, Margie. Twelve percent. I mean that's not Oh, I should have put the X Files theme. Mm. That could have been the song for our episode. Oh well. I we, loved the We can X-Files do it in post. We can do it in post. We can, we're sending this out tomorrow, so we can do it in post. Um and then also timely. Is. So today's at well, we're recording this on Ash Wednesday, yes. and I have been on a pretty serious potato chip addiction recently. I don't know right. where it came from, but like about a year and chips a half ago, yummy. I just really got into potato chips and like the wide variety of amazing flavors that are out there. Pepperoncini chips are like the greatest innovation. I'm a sweet potato chip gal. Oh, I can't really ever pass up a sweet potato chip. That's the others I can, you know, I can maybe walk by. So having been so addicted to potato chips, I decided so Mardi Gras, is that the French word for Fat Tuesday? Yeah. I, I was like we've been putting the fat in Fat Tuesday for a little while. So I'm going to back off of the potato chips right? for 40 days. And I thought I was being pretty unique. And then this morning the news comes out, no no no, Prime Minister Theresa May over in the UK, she is giving up crisps, which yep. is what they call them in the UK, yes. for Lent. And a study – where did this come from? This came from uh, – Openbible.info. Openbible.info. So all relevant disclaimers about how we have – It's not one of our usual go-to not, polling sources. It's not Pew. <laughs> so take this they one They don't care this. what public opinion is. It's eh. the Bible. <laughs> it's this open Bible. But this is interesting. Percentage of tweets about when people are tweeting about what they're giving up for Lent, what are they tweeting about? And so on this chart, uh, I believe we found that social networking and Twitter were top things that people were going to give up, followed by chocolate, alcohol, and chips. And here's what's crazy. There is a huge increase this year in the percentage of – like chips was not registering as something people were giving up until this year. So has this potato chip addiction – has this not just been me? Is this like like an M. Night Shyamalan movie where like the Mm. potato chips have been – Slowly taking over. Slowly taking over. Or maybe people want to have something a little bit more manageable. And like Facebook and alcohol and chocolate are just too hard. And chips like, okay, maybe I can do chips. But chips are great. Chips are great. Chips are going to be hard for me. I picked it because I was like, this is hard. And this will show how devoted I am. (laughs) I love hearing. I give this up. I love hearing about what people are giving up. And then they have like a full (laughs) list of... All the things that people are giving up. And so, yeah, swearing is on there. But that's not giving something. I mean, I guess that's giving something up. But number 17 on the school, list. School. That's number 10. Giving up school is not giving up something for Lent. Well, that's just. I don't mean to get own. all religious. Yeah. Jesus hat again. But, like, that doesn't count, guys. I think that's fair. What about <laughs> what about the 128 people who you said boys? Boys. They were giving up boys for Lent. Well, they're probably smart. <laughs> Donald Trump. Donald Trump came in at number 17. Or, I mean, this is not, we should say this is not probably a very scientific poll because number 19 is Health you. and hygiene is a category. Who gives up health? Like, I'm not going to shower during Lent. 
guys. Maybe they're obsessive. That's not, that is not the point. I think, <laughs> I think. not. Well, that may just be, look, iron, irony, that's one of the top, I guess. <laughs> oh, I guess it's like people making a joke. That was probably one of the ironic. top categories. They have a whole category of people giving up ironic things. Yes. Like right. giving up religion. Yeah. No, but religion's its own category. Okay. I can't. Well, I can't anymore. You'll have I'm to work gi- on I'm an open Bible. You can jokes. hire us for next year's poll, and then we'll come do one of our joint presentations. Okay. Folks, we warned you about voting irregularities in the Oscars, didn't we? We may have been the first to make a bad politics Oscar Prophetic. Joke. Prophetic. Yes. <laughs> Trump's had a bad first few weeks in the polls, but after his joint address, maybe he'll get a bounce. And if the polls are getting you down, how about some focus groups to lighten the mood? Or maybe you want to give up polling altogether for Lent. Um, and do you think teenagers are like aliens? Perhaps the government has made contact with them and just covering it up. You can find us on Twitter at at the pollsters, individually at at Margie O'Meara and at Kay Soltis Anderson. You can find us on Facebook where we post links to the stories we have found interesting throughout the week. You can also go to www.thepollsters.com for our list of polling resources. Don't forget to write a review and don't forget to tell a friend about yeah. the show. We found out today that there is a couple that is now dating because – so I found this out from my colleague. She's a friend who was like chatting to a guy and told him, hey, you should listen to the show called The Pollsters. And they have been dating for a couple months now. And I'm so over the moon about this. This is a special dedication going going out. <laughs> going out to you two. You know who you are. <laughs> Hope you made it to the end of the show. <laughs> Okay, thanks. Bye. A Westwood One podcast production.